Welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, which is, of course, brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Bryce Duskett this week, filling in for Susan Littlefield. We're going to be digesting this market, take a look at what has happened in corn, soybeans, and wheat, all down as we round out the trading week ahead of the long holiday weekend. We're going to get into that with our special guests here coming up in a moment. But first, we bring you this message from the Nebraska Soybean Board. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. We thank the Nebraska Soy Board for their ongoing support of this program. We welcome back here on the screen for our viewers and over the radio dial for our listeners today. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial Advisors and Jeff Peterson also joining us. He is the president of Heartland Farm Partners. Gentlemen, good day to you. Thank you for joining us here on the program. Always love being on the show. So All right, thanks, well, Bryce. Yep, let's get into this, guys. We got uh, the corn, soybeans, and wheat all uh, trading lows. We round out the trading week. I'll give the numbers here quick. September corn closed down six cents for the week. December corn down six and a half. September soybeans closing down twenty-four and three-quarter cents. November soybeans down three and a half cents as well. Uh, wheat did not have a good week. December KC wheat closed down forty-one and three-quarter cents. December Chicago wheat down twenty-six. Sean, I want to kind of toss this over to you first as we break down kind of the weekly trade and get your thoughts on what we saw uh, perhaps in those three markets. Your take. I think the market is trying to determine when are we going to maximize harvest lows. Is it going to be early harvest low like we think we're going to have? Is it going to be later? Um, I think the market's getting tired about playing hot, dry weather. I think they're feeling whatever is done is done. And it might be it might take a while with the huge variability in both soybeans and corn to decide what's out there. And so so long as the dollar is strong and as long as, you know, there's talk that uh, Erdogan from Turkey and Russia are going to talk about a new grain deal. It's just hard to get anything going with the wheat market as well. Um, so I kind of feel we're just kind of stuck looking for that bullish reversal or that that turning point that you tend to get when you realize we've priced it all in. Jeff, kind of to that point, uh, the conversation about harvest lows keeps coming back up. Is this the low point? Where are we going from here? Your thoughts? Have we seen that harvest low at this point, or could we go a little bit lower on corn and soybeans in particular? Well, I, Bryce, I'd like to think that we're getting awfully close in here if we haven't found it already. But, you know, the thing is, we go forward, I think Sean brought up a, some really good points in here, is that with this variable crop out there, it is hard to physically come up with the yield. And the market is looking to try to sort out a yield. But what we we have to really kind of think about is that where the funds are currently at, the funds are short wheat, they're short corn, um, you know, they're still long on the soybean side. And we know that as we come in, the weather we've been having, the warm conditions, the dry conditions, as we look at the latter part of August in here, we know that hasn't helped our crops. So it hasn't helped the fill on the ears. It hasn't helped basically our pod fill at all. But I, I do think like what Sean said, you know, the market knows that, but yet at the same time, it's like, well, but is the most damage been done now? I think this is a year from a personal standpoint. I don't think all the damage has been done yet. But now we'll get a chance when USDA gets out there. You know, they're out there right now. They're starting to send some their surveys out there. They're getting their plots set up. So as we come into the uh, September 12th WASD report, you know, at least we'll have boots on the ground and that information out there. And, and I think they're going to find a smaller yield ultimately than there would have been when 
uh, pro farmers out there. That doesn't necessarily mean that their yield's going to come in lower than pro farmer. There's two different types of methodologies there, but that's that's what it looks like for my chair today. Jeff, I want to dive a little bit deeper into uh, kind of the, the route you're going down there as uh, they gear up for that September 12th WASDE and those infield surveys. What do you think our viewers and listeners should know about the, you know, the work being done right now to prepare that? And you kind of note that they might come up with something and the report might not necessarily affect it. Do I understand your perspective right, Jeff? Yeah, so as we dig into that a little further, something we have to realize is that this is different than the August. And this isn't merely just a, you know, basically editing or adjusting of uh, yield number. You know, um, NAS is the one that's out there. They're setting up their surveys or they're physically setting up those plots. They're going to be doing those ear counts. And in that case, they're going to be coming up with a brand new yield. Now, one thing that I think that Pro Farmer did point out that I think will be interesting to see how NAS picks up on is that Pro Farmer did announce that they did run into a lot of pods that were not filling very well or were very small. So the definition that Pro Farmer had of a pod and the definition that ultimately NAS will have of a pod is, is completely different. There does need to be some fill actually happening in those pods. And I think what's happened with some of our warm, dry conditions out there, especially on the bean side, is that, you know, some of those pods are not filling, and there are some of those pods that definitely did abort from earlier. That is the voice of Jeff Peterson. He's the president of Heartland Farm Partners. One of our guests here on the weekly market roundup. The other is Sean Hackett. Sean, want to come back to you. One of the topics that uh, seemed like was getting some attention this past week was had to do with some different shipping concerns. We've got the Panama Canal concerns, also the, the Mississippi River. What do you think is important that we're paying attention to? Well, anytime you back up the potential movement of grain, you tend to widen out the basis. You tend to kind of, you know, create a, a, a lower cash price than you would otherwise get. And it's not good for farmers who have to sell right now if they if they haven't already, you know, made some sales at better prices. But what I would like to kind of address is, you know, we always talk about supply, 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 but there's been a lot of talk about the Chinese economy going into some kind of an Armageddon-ish uh, nosedive. And I, what I think is kind of interesting is when I look at the corn price in China, the soybean price, soybean meal, palm oil, bean oil, sugar, cotton. In fact, we created an index of all of these Chinese ag commodities, and they're surging over the last two to three weeks, suggesting something isn't right, either that demand and their economy is much stronger than the current media portrayal is, or some of this very extreme flooding we've seen and some of the extreme hot temperatures that we've seen, you know, might have done a lot more damage to their crops. And this would be the time of the year when you would start to see the reaction in domestic grain and ag prices. So I think there's something to look at there. Typically, Chinese prices lead the U.S. price by 30 to 60 days. And so we might see some surprise demand either from buying Brazilian grain or from us uh, if the Chinese, if these movement higher in Chinese prices is indicative of them being short a lot of these key ag supply markets right now. Sean, you kind of lay out two scenarios. Which one of those do you think is more likely going on in China right now, or is it kind of 50-50 both playing into the market? I think China is going to be the big story going forward in terms of demand. As I said, we're kind of finishing up the weather season. The USDA is going to go through its Typical September, October, November, we're going to trade all these reports. But what's been missing most of the year has been the lack of demand and the worry over demand. If we can ameliorate that a little bit and bring some Chinese demand back and the market believes that the balance sheets are not correct and that the demand is too low, a lot of these balance sheets would show you know, sufficient corn or sufficient soybeans or sufficient wheat 
may not turn out to be as comfortable as we currently believe. And I think that's the story to watch. Appreciate your thoughts on that, Sean. Jeff, want to go back over to you, talk about basis levels. You take a drive across uh, most of our viewing and listening area today across the state of Nebraska. A lot of choppers out there, which means in a week or so we'll see some white corn being taken out to maybe two weeks, I guess. We'll see what happens. It kind of depends on the region. But, uh, Jeff, your thoughts on basis levels as we do gear up for those combines to head out for the fall harvest. Yeah, so I think you're going to have to, it depends on the individual market, of course, but what you're finding is there are still some quick ship bids out there where they're paying a better basis level. Now, those will hang around for a while until, you know, there's some harvest going on down on the you know Nebraska-Kansas border and down on into Kansas, and some of that's flowing in Nebraska. We're also hearing of a few bean fields actually being cut in Nebraska. Now, we're not seeing much for quick ship bids on the, the bean side, but we are on the corn side. But overall, coming in, I think, uh, for harvest basis yet, I still think we'll see this core harvest basis still improve just a little bit here on both the corn and the soybean side. But we are watching what's going on with the Mississippi River, and especially with what's happening in regard to draft levels, and ultimately if they adjust the size of the toes. What that could do is it could be bad for the Eastern Corn Belt, but that actually could be good for the Western Corn Belt. The reason it could be good for the Western Corn Belt is if there's some issues or problems with getting basically enough grain down to hit some of these you know, some of this early demand and their sales that are on the books coming out of the Gulf, then some of that will definitely get switched back up to the P&W. And as we're talking to some of the buyers, different elevators across Nebraska, they're, they're getting uh, reached out to by a lot of the individual buyers out of the P&W, starting to kind of probe where those offers would be at. The other thing we have to watch really closely, though, this Panama Canal situation is a problem. It's driving up our freight costs and is making it so that South America is a little bit more competitive, a little longer than what we'd expect it to be. So we're going to have to keep a close eye on that also. Appreciate your thoughts on that, Jeff. Want to bring up one more topic with the reigning time we have today here on the weekly market roundup. That is renewable diesel fuel. On Thursday, the U.S. Energy Department came out with a report about 1.21 billion pounds of soybean oil was used to make biofuels for the month of June. That was a new record high up about 50% from a year ago. And on Monday, Wall Street Journal reporting 57% of all diesel fuel in California is now made from biomass. Jeff, this is a topic that it seems like we've been talking about for about a year and a half, just wondering when is some of this renewable diesel uh, going to come into play to affect this soybean market? Your thoughts on this news? Yeah, so we continue to see you know, strong demand. If you take a look at where the soybean oil prices are and where they're priced at, you know, they're continuing to gain some strength in here. We continue to see the crush margins are, are very good. And as we go forward, we'll continue to bring on more crush plants. I think as we look at it overall, just to give you a feel, if we look at the renewable diesel capacity, I think when we compare to where it would have been last year, I think some are estimating that actually our capacity produces up about 90%. And I think when we look at what July versus June was, it's up over 12 or 15%. So this is going to continue to be a factor going forward. And as we go forward, we're going to have to continue to bring on more crush facilities, which will take away some of those bushels. Now, it's going to take time. Uh, to go ahead and get these plants up and going. But what makes me feel good is that big oil's involved and also the big grains involved on the crush side. Sean, I'll give you the last word here on the weekly market roundup. Your thoughts on uh, this topic or what else do you want to leave our, our viewers with today? I think beyond what Jeff just said about the renewable diesel, I, I really think, you know, the, the U.S. dollar and the Federal Reserve, they had Jackson Hole, and they made some strong comments that, that, that this may be a longer tightening cycle or pause cycle. And we may not get the benefit of a quick turn down in interest rates or accommodated Federal Reserve. And, and I think that some of the market action with the dollar, with interest rates, 
is suggesting that we need to calibrate uh, a, a, a tighter environment. And you typically, commodities do tend to struggle more when that is the case than when they don't. And I think that that's just going to continue to be a headwind um, that needs to be watched about how long is this headwind going to be in place. Um, because to really get a, a commodity market moving higher and really trending, you really do need the dollar to be weakening and the Federal Reserve to be adding liquidity. And right now, it just does not look like we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel there. Something to keep an eye on in terms of what kind of prices we may be looking at going forward. It's a good point to bring up, Sean. Appreciate that. It's a good point, place to put our conversation on pause as we do so here on the Weekly Market Roundup. We thank our two guests, Sean Hackett and Jeff Peterson, for joining us on the program and remind our listeners and viewers one more time. This is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Thanks for joining us.